Hello everyone, this is Jennifer Bryant and welcome to the Practical Family Podcast where we are building strong foundations and healthy homes. Well, thanks for joining us families for another episode of the Practical Family Podcast. We're on episode 30 and today we are addressing the issue of technology as it is related to the senior community. Now, I've been writing about the issue of technology on the blog as it relates to parents and kids and monitoring tech time and what tech time is doing to us and our brains sometimes and and how we can just adapt to this new age. We are living in an age like no none other before and we have to be the pioneers of what it means to parent and live with this technology, even to uh, monitor our own selves. Are we always on the phone? Are we always on the computer and not having enough face-to-face time? And as new as unfamiliar as this world might be for younger parents, can you even imagine how much more difficult it might be for folks of the older generation? Folks who lived an entire lifetime without the need for this stuff and now have the need to use it for the sake of communicating with their families and um, there have been so many stories, so many experiences that I've uh, been hearing here and there about seniors who are so frustrated with needing to learn this new technology but there doesn't seem to be anyone around who's willing to show them. and. Families, I want to speak to you today, no matter where you are in life, how old your kids are, the you may even be living with parents or helping to take care of uh, parents or grandparents. And this episode is to help to encourage you specifically and as a whole family to regard the older generation in a way that honors them, that is patient, with them and because we can get so I think hyperly efficient with all the great technology we have nowadays that we forget that it's like learning learning a foreign language and so as we address this issue of seniors and technology um, I, I just pray that you have an extra sensitive heart to hear this and that we hopefully can address the the um, major issues surrounding that. Now, I've invited onto the podcast today a good friend of mine. Her name is Janet Grace Hochberg, and we've worked in ministry together for almost 10 plus years now here on the island of Oahu. But Janet's roots begin in New York. She's originally from New York. She has uh, skilled nursing training and has worked with the senior community for years, 30 plus years. Um, her heart is for the elderly. The She's been there with to walk through families, the process of, um, of their parents and grandparents passing on, and what it means to, um, to really live as that family unit and support each other. So I've asked Janet to come on today to give us a little insight into the senior community and how we can honor their lives by um, helping them to understand technology or how technology can be of use in this season of their lives. So listen in on our conversation today with Janet Grace Hopebrook. I want to welcome you to the podcast today and have you talk a little bit more about 
what you have gone through and what your experience with this population has has looked like. Can you share that with us? Of course. Aloha. Thank you, Jen, sister and special friend, for having me today to talk about such a important and precious topic. Our seniors, our parents, our mommies and daddies, our grandparents, our aunties and uncles, as you shared, the people have shaped and help mold who we are today as people and, and individuals. So it's great to be here. Your experience specifically with this precious group of people, you started a home care business, but you were working with them long before you started your own thing, right? When, when did that begin? So I've been working in the aging population with our seniors for about the past 20 years. It all started with my best friend, whose mother was uh, diagnosed with polio at the age of 10 years old, and then, you know, becoming um, a quadriplegic as a result of that. And my girlfriend being a primary caregiver to her mother is a, is a young girl, her and her sister caring for their mommy, uh, who, you know, was confined to a wheelchair. And I had met Auntie Betty probably about 25 years ago. We went to church together before I started attending Calvary Chapel uh, in One Love Ministries. And my best friend needed to go to the mainland and needed somebody to fill in her caregiving position with her mom and asked me if I could be the one. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I have no idea how to transfer someone, you know, so frail. You know, my, my thought was that this woman, her mom, who I knew, I knew Auntie Betty, but I thought she's frail. How can I touch her? How can I lift her off of the bed and safely get her into a, a wheelchair and, and not hurt her, hurt myself? And, and through the prompting and encouragement of my girlfriend, Terry, I went and I said, okay, you know what, I'll give it a shot. And I went and I trained on how to get Auntie from her bed into her wheelchair and how to shower her, how to toilet her, how to put her back to bed at night, how to help feed her, how to dress her. And I just went, wow, thank you, God, that, that she is, I am not her. Thank you, Jesus, that I am not living my life day in and day out in a wheelchair, having to depend on other people and probably not having to feel that humiliation, that embarrassment of other people having to toilet me, to feed me, and to just help me with my activities of daily living 24-7. Mm. And the Lord had birthed something in my heart, just that gratitude and that understanding. It was almost this revelation that true freedom comes from being others-minded, helping those that cannot help themselves regardless of their circumstances. And hence, that's where my love and passion for caregiving started. Wow. And I've never looked back. Wow. So your one-on-one -on -one ability to help another person just gave you that new perspective. And what elderly care means, first of all, but also sort of a, a renewed appreciation for um, individuals in that time of their life. Yes. Yeah, yeah I was about 30 years old uh, mm -hmm. when I started helping Auntie Betty. And Terry, my girlfriend, would take more vacations because I became much more comfortable with her care. Mm -hmm. I saw that God was really, yeah, as you shared, giving me this whole new perspective on, you know, the dignity of the human person 
and again being dependent on others and then having my independence to not have to rely on other people to care for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What a a difficult thing to to experience but at the same time giving you the perspective to see years down the road where and what you hope to maybe be in or the position to be in at that time and where your family can can be or to jump in to support you during that time now as we talk about this series through family and technology and what it means for family to come alongside family we're noticing more and more this divide, this divide between the younger generation, raising young kids, having to figure that mess out. <laughs> Quite honestly, I feel like I'm in a I'm in a mess sometimes and the things that I can't control I get upset about. But then when we give it to the Lord it's much better. But I can't imagine then missing all of those times and those and those times are being behind me, kids being grown grandkids now coming it's a whole new different season of life and the women that I talked to about being in that empty nest or um, and now finding themselves caring for their parents it can be a struggle and where technology comes in and and it's supposed to ease communication in this way that has become kind of a barrier too hasn't it what have you experienced specifically with families caring for aging loved ones or or aging themselves and then having to deal with this whole technology thing? That's a great question. And there are pros, of course, and then there are cons. So there's a lot of amazing advantages to implementing or teaching our aging loved ones, our parents, our grandparents, our kapuna, about technology and how it works and the benefit of how it keeps us all connected as community, mm -hmm. how it also can be used as a resource to keep us safe mm -hmm. uh, and just to keep our communication strong and to let each other know how much we care about each other. And yet on the other hand, for our seniors, technology can be extremely scary. It can be very intimidating. Uh, there's a, a level of understanding that comes along with internet and broadband and uh, megabytes and gigahertz and I mean I don't even know <laughs> I it don't all. Even know. <laughs> um, uh, and um, there's a, a level of frustration uh, that goes along with that and many of that is because many of our, our seniors are challenged with physical uh, limitations chronic diseases creeping in. There could be heart issues. There could be stroke, diabetes, a lot of chronic disease, dual diagnoses such as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. You know, Parkinson's is a, you know, a, a disease where the body uh, isn't moving the way that it should. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a neurological disease and Alzheimer's is memory loss. And so to be able to bridge that place of aging and patience and time and bringing all in understanding all of these dynamics and how to lay them all out in a manner that encourages our seniors that they matter mm -hmm. and they have value and worth and that we're not going to let technology be a barrier between us but it's going to be a mechanism to bring us closer together mm -hmm. and that we are willing and wanting 
and count it a joy and privilege to spend an extra five minutes, 10 minutes with my mom or my dad to say, oh, this is how you attach a picture on Facebook, dad. You know, how many times my father would call me and ask me, hey, sis, how do I do this on Facebook? I want to put this picture on my phone, you know, to my Facebook post. And my dad's 77 and to say, okay, dad, uh, this is how you do it. And then him saying, well, it didn't work. (laughs) And saying, okay, well, try it this way. And looking at my watch and going, well, actually thinking to myself, wow, this is my father who has sacrificed his whole life for me, Mm -hmm. who has been my pillar, my provider, my rock, my everything, for him to now reach out to me and ask my help for something. Mm -hmm. And it being technology, if I cannot take an extra few minutes out of my day to support him, uh, then I really have to, you know, reevaluate my own priorities. But mm. and then the elation that they feel when they get it, yes. you know, oh my gosh, yes. I, I posted it. Thanks, sis. And you just feel that joy together and you've done something together. You know, it's still a level, a place of bonding with your parents, you know, no matter the age. And technology can really be a neat tool for that, to keep us closer together instead of separating us. Right, right. I love how you hit on that point, Janet, about, you know, it it should be a tool to bring us together. And the fact that it can separate because, uh, well, number one, it's new. It's Number two, it's different, right? And we tend to, every one of us tends to be afraid of things that are different from us. And I want to take that point and, and build on it to bring this into view, if technology is something that is so so new and so different, but also the younger generation and the aging generation finding themselves at a place of in in such different places because of you know just age, maturity, experience, whatever, that we can find ourselves divided not by technology but just by not understanding one another or not taking the time to understand one another. And just as that, that newness of learning those aha moments that happen when any of us learn something new, think of all the times they, when they taught us to walk, right? And the joy and elation that came from just teaching their children to do something new. Now we have the privilege to turn around and say, Dad, Mom, here, I love you. Let me teach you something new. But even in that process, so that learning process is not always as easy, is it? I mean, it's the frustration that comes when you don't get something, when it doesn't make sense. And also, they've lived their whole lives without having to need this. So why now? <laughs> why so why now? now? Right? Exactly. And I think, too, there's the, you know, I think of my own mother. When my mom was in the hospital, she had uh, chronic diseases. And I remember um, very clearly now talking about this. Why now? Um Again, because it's, it can be, I think there's more positive outcomes and there's a lot of evidence to back that up um, for technology in the hands of our seniors than there is with technology not in the hands of our seniors. And again, going that extra mile and spending that time with them to really teach them how to maximize the use of a cell phone or an iPad or a computer. You know, my mom was um, in the hospital once and she loved the Lord, and she knew she was dying, and uh, she was struggling with with that, uh, not knowing the Lord the way that, that I know God and death and dying, but I remember um, 
being here in Hawaii and my mom being in the hospital in New York, her calling me at midnight and just saying I'm scared, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm a little scared right now, Janet. And, and having that connection through the cell phone, I'm glad that we were able to talk and pray through that and bringing some peace to my mother because of technology, you know, that was very comforting, not only for her, but for me, as hard as it was to hear her fear, mm -hmm. um, that, that the ability for her to be able to use a cell phone, I think really made a difference in her overall, you know, acceptance of, of what was happening, mm -hmm. you know, at that time to her. So mm -hmm. taking that time to even answer the call mm -hmm. when we see it's mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or the neighbor down the street to say, just to, to answer the phone and say, hi, I love you. You know, they're so excited when they, when they get it. You know, like I shared with my dad in his Facebook postings, I'll share a story with you. The first time I, um, technology and the elderly really hit me was I was caring for a 95-year-old woman and she had a friend who was 100 and they were sharp and lucid as could be at that time. And their daughters were really good friends. So the daughters would get together and bring the parents together at the same time. So you'd have these daughters in their 70s, parents in their 90s and close to 100, hanging out. And I was caring for the 95-year-old. And it was hysterical. The 100-year-old walks up to the tennis court house that we were in and walks up the steps, says hi to my client. They were chit-chatting. Then she sits down on the chair. My client was in a wheelchair. She pulls a chair up, and she opens up her little dainty purse and whips out her cell phone and starts making a phone call. Now, this was about 10 years or so ago, and I remember just thinking, I took a picture of it. I actually have a picture in my phone of it. I've kept for all this time because I was so, I was so stunned. I just thought it was hysterical that this almost 100-year-old woman was very efficient, you know, on her cell phone use. It was a flip phone. She flipped it up like nobody's business started dying the, the numbers. And I was hysterical. I thought it was the cutest thing I ever saw. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then we've evolved a lot since then with the, you know, iPad. And now we have seniors, many of my clients will get on their iPad and Skype with their, their kids that are in the mainland or even their, their kids who, you know, are across the island or on a neighbor island. And um, it's a really cool thing. I had a 100-year-old client who was just a Facebook junkie. He was on um, insulin, and we had to, like, pry him out of his chair uh, to get him his insulin um, treatment. He did not want to leave his Facebook posts. Oh. It was hysterical. And what was it about Facebook for him? What was he getting out of it at that point in time in his life? Well, again, he was 99 years old, but he got a kick out of watching his kids and his grandkids and their posts and their sports and then friends. And he was a very renowned uh, engineer. So very well established. Now he's combined to his home because he needs his body is um, starting to shut down. He needs these treatments, you know, to sustain his life. 
Um, but although physically he was declining, mentally he was sharp in understanding how to operate a face, you know, a computer and technology was something that was very natural for him at a very, you know, later age in his life. And he, that kept him going, that kept him uh, energized and excited and gave him something to look forward to every day was, you know, that ability to communicate with all of his friends through Facebook and the internet. Mm, that is a point that I think is worth bringing up when it comes to family connectedness. We've talked about how important it is to keep them connected. And and I think when we think about, uh, you know, our aging loved ones, they, they stop working, their body starts to shut down. And then, I don't know, we, is it just that the families just stop thinking about them because they're not an active, quote-unquote, active part of life anymore, and isolation can set in. We see that, and it's easy for that to happen, but when they have access to technology, it keeps them connected with their family. It gives them something, like you said, to, to get up and to live for when they are maybe otherwise incapacitated. And that is just so sad to think about, though, that isolation would be a reason for keeping them away from the family or for the family to even just stop thinking about them in that in that way. Do you, do you see that happening? All the time. Yeah. You know, for me, what I love to do is go to the nursing homes. Mm -hmm. And normally, um, we have a broken health care system, as we all know. And I think people do their very best that they can in this field, in this industry, mm -hmm. to be the carer, to be that amazing nurse and that end-of-life caregiver or just that a primary caregiver being the adult child of an aging parent. Um, we do our very best, again, but we're in a system that, you know, can't meet all of those needs. And one of my favorite things in the care homes is to, you know, just to go, you know, they'll line the seniors up across the nursing station and just to go give them a hug and say hi to them. And they're very receptive because sometimes that's the only touch or hug they'll get um, maybe in that day or that week. And uh, sometimes, you know, if it's permitted, you can bring in an iPad or a computer and ask them, oh, where are you from, Mrs. Takaguchi <laughs> or Mrs. Mr. Smith? And they'll tell me. And they might not be all there in memory or ability to communicate their thoughts properly. Mm -hmm. But I, I had a client that was from Monterey, California. I would type in Monterey, California, and then it would trigger his memory, and he would tell me, oh, I lived on that street. And then I would do the Google map, and I would find that street, and we would look at the satellite, then zoom in, and he'd say, oh, that was the corner candy store that we went to, and I could wow. buy a gumball for, you know, a penny or, you know. Um, and it was fascinating, and he would get really excited. And then we would take that trip down memory lane where there wasn't computers or there wasn't technology the way there is today and, you know, how much it has evolved. And and you would see him get excited, and, and he was very proud because this was his heritage. This was his legacy. This was his history. This is what he grew up with. This is how he survived, how he got through each day, you know, through these facets of his life. And you got to remember, people drove down neighborhoods and streets without a GPS, 
And so to be proud of that, you know, and so um, many seniors, you know, getting back to your question, feel that they're a burden because mm -hmm. they don't understand how to use technology. They don't, they don't even want to because they feel that they're a burden. Mm -hmm. They know it's going to take a little bit longer for them to get there, to understand it, to have the ability and capacity to even utilize it. Mm -hmm. And and so I think to reassure them that anti it is such a privilege for me to be able to sit here with you and to teach you this. I remember when I first learned how to use the internet, I just, I would tell people, I'm not going to learn that. I don't need to do email. I don't owe to send an attachment. And then when people took the time to teach me and I knew they really meant it, you know, I got excited about learning. Mm -hmm. And now it's just a way of life for me and so it's my honor to sit here with you so don't worry about me let's get you up to speed on this thing called technology in the world wide web that connects us anywhere we want to go mm, that's wonderful Janet just to f just to feel a, p a piece of that because yeah? when you describe how how much of a burden they feel like they're being to their families by not getting it not understanding I was at one of the the more prominent technology stores recently, and and the one of the workers was sharing with me that in this community, a lot of the seniors will line up first thing in the morning for the free classes that that the store offers to show them how to use it. And and many of them have shared with her, ah, oh, my my kids or my grandkids, they just get so frustrated with me they're fed up because I have all these questions and I feel stupid I feel stupid and I am 70 something years old and I've never felt so so dumb and that just broke my heart and even talking to the worker there she started crying because she's developed such a heart for these people she didn't know she'd be serving this this population in the right. in the capacity that she has but because they come with their needs and their questions and and they feel that they're a burden to their family. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And not being able to, to do what you once did before as a young person, you're not as quick. Or I, I had one woman explain to me that she feels like she's 20 on the inside, but her body just won't let her get there. <laughs> you know, right. won't let her act like she's 20. She goes, but I feel young in my mind and in my heart. And um, it makes me think of my grandmother who just passed away. She was 97, and she would say the same thing. She says, you know, getting old is not for sissies. <laughs> she said, it's hard. It's hard. Yes. And um, when we don't make the effort to come alongside our, our people, um, we're pushing aside a whole generation that has so much to give to us, you know. And that's what I hear you you even describing, Janet, in your work with them, because it's just, it's precious, and it's a precious time. It, it is. And, you know, I love that. And this is what I try to really encourage, again, the adult children of aging parents who are tasked as the primary caregivers. And they know this, but it's just that friendly reminder to let the, the kids know that they're not alone, that people see that sacrifice, but yet that privilege. What a treasure our mom and dads are. What a opportunity 
to give back to our parents and our grandparents and our neighbors that are aging in the way of clearly getting that when a senior starts to age and they start to have debilitating diseases, they start to have memory loss, they start to shut down physically, they're not able to move the way they used to, is got to be terrifying to them. That pride and that dignity that they deserve after raising a family, putting your kids through school, we not knowing what the real sacrifice was. Maybe a parent didn't have a meal that night because all they could afford was to feed their kids. Didn't buy themselves a new pair of shoes for 10 years because the budget only made it possible to buy shoes for their kids. That Those kids are you and me, mm-hmm. right? And so now they have this pride. They raised their families. Again, they sacrificed a lot of these Families come out of, you know, the war eras, you know, Vietnam, the Korean War, you know, World War II, have survived Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. They've been our teachers. They've been nurses. They've been engineers and architects. They've been coaches. They've been mentors. And now again, they're aging. They see death is imminent. It's coming sooner than later. And they're becoming incontinent not able to swallow their food the way that they used to. And they're relying and depending on us again to help them. I mean, how horrifying that must be to really let your guard down now as a parent and say, I need your help. Mm-hmm. And, to, and for them to hope and pray and believe and trust that we are going to honor that. And we're going to say, Mom, Don't worry about that. You are such a precious treasure. I know you know that. I know you get that. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to help you because you're just my mom. And not just my mom, because you're my mom. And you've done this for me my whole life. To help minimize that that fallout of fear and humiliation and shame that they now need our help. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think in terms of technology, we got to just maximize again all the benefits of it, take that extra time, care and attention, and just love them through it to not show our frustration, to exercise that fruit of the spirit called patience, that long-suffering, that, and what is long-suffering? I mean, I think I have a clue of what the Lord went through for me. (laughs) I am oblivious, Mm -hmm. you know, um, to take those extra measures and safeguards to keep our moms and dads safe and um, feeling valued and loved no matter what. That is what is truly important. You don't want to have any regrets. You know, I lost my mom almost four years ago. All five of her adult children were at her bedside caring for her in her, her most intense, darkest hours. My remember, I'll never forget, my brother would lift her up off the bed. My sister and I would pull the sheets down, and we would change it and put a clean sheet on. My brothers would lay her back down, my three brothers. We would all gently lift her up to change her shirt. She was on a dilated morphine pump and oxygen, and we would all bathe her. 
We would take turns suctioning her. We would take turns giving her medication because we all wanted to be a part of her end-of-life care, her five babies that raised her. That was her only wish at the end, that all her living children were there and my father. The privilege that it was to provide that end-of-life wish to her is something that we will hold dear in our hearts until our last breath and only hope that our kids would be there for us if the time ever came. Mm -hmm. It's a generational privilege that we pass on from generation to generation. It's a legacy and labor of love. And that's what it boils down to. And it is powerful and something you will never regret and something that another family is going to look to someone to help them get through. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's amazing. And I praise and thank God to have some understanding of what life and going to, you know, eternity looks like in terms of the hum humanity um, and human, human relational touch that comes mm -hmm. along with it, if that makes any sense. Oh, sure, sure. That, that it is about the human, the human touch. And the human heart. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the very least that we can do is taking the time to show our loved ones how to keep connected in this way, that what the benefits that technology provides, not only in communication, but in their actual medical care, right, what we're seeing is coming up, but that we do it with a heart to love and serve and not just efficiency. I mean, I know I can get lost in the efficiency of things like, well, stuff needs to get done and technology helps me to do this, but when we do that, we miss out on those relationships. Just, just as we talked in, in the other articles about technology and parenting, right? When we allow that to come alongside and replace our ability to parent our own children, when we let technology get in the way of building that continued connection with between us and our parents and our grandparents who just want to live out the rest of this life well and have something to show for their efforts and and how and leave a legacy. So I love how how Janet, you're bringing back that perspective of of the legacy of that population. And we could we can see that oh they're aging, they need extra care. What are we going to do? It's going to cost time. It's going to cost money. Well, anything worth doing, worth investing in, is going to cost us somehow. And we're foolish to think that it won't. We're foolish to think that as efficient as we've become as a generation, that those things can be replaced by the efficiency of technology, that it's still about the human touch and human connection. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Janet, so much for being here with me today. It's a privilege to have your your friendship, number one, but your experience and, and wisdom in this area. I loved what you were able to share. And um, do you have any last thoughts for families now yes going I, forward thank you first off thank you for this platform it's uh, extremely powerful an amazing resource and extremely god honoring so it is just an immense privilege for me to sit with you a woman that i've looked up to that we've done ministry for as you shared many years together um and and it's uh just i just am very grateful to have this opportunity to again showcase and underscore 
the importance of loving and supporting our precious kapuna to the very end. They are like a fine piece of china, treasured vessels that we just owe, you know, our very selves to their overall welfare and ensuring that they have, as you shared, a good quality of life until their last breath. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. Amen. Thank you for being here. Well, that was certainly a moving conversation with my friend Janet Grace Hochberg. Janet is the owner and director of Haoli Home Care, where their motto is trust, respect, and aloha here on the island of Oahu, caring for the aging population. With her years of experience, Janet brings to the table such such a love, such a deeply rooted care and compassion for the aging and her experience even with them and their families as they communicate effectively, as they communicate love and value for human life even to its end. I pray that you were moved today to some degree to even just pick up the phone and call. Call your mom, call your dad, call grandma or grandpa and let them know how much you love them. And take the time this week. This is what we can challenge ourselves to do this week. Take time out of your busy schedule to sit and show them how to use that iPad or that phone they got for Christmas. Because chances are they won't pick it up unless somebody sits and takes the time to show them. Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Family Podcast. It's been a pleasure to serve you in the community of families who want to build strong foundations and healthy homes. And it would be amazing if you could really quick go to your iTunes or your podcast app and rate this show. Please rate the Practical Family Podcast um, because that uh, allows us to, those reviews allow us to go up in the rankings and be more visible to a larger audience so that people can get these messages of hope and encouragement for their family. So please go ahead and do that today. We also have that button on the podcast page that tells you more about how to go and leave a review, um, how to share with others, and that is available for you today at practicalfamily.org. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. And as always, we are here to encourage you to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Mm